Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver. And if you're listening, then uh, you probably know that this show is all about horror, science fiction, fantasy, exploitation, all that good stuff. I'm here to talk about um, what I love. And today, I decided that I would like to do a uh, a bit of a retrospective on a... Uh, Filmmaker slash actor slash writer that I uh, I quite admire, um, and that would be Dan O'Bannon. And Dan O'Bannon passed away, uh, unfortunately, at the in my opinion, way entirely way too young age of sixty three. He passed away in on December seventeenth, two thousand nine. He was born September thirtieth, nineteen forty six, and. Um, I've ever since I started to uh, really get into horror movies, I've known that I've known who Dan O'Bannon is strictly because of the movies that I was watching. His name would pop up in them. Um, he doesn't have a ton of credits to his name, but what he does have is awesome. Um, he got his start uh, with, um, I mean, way, way, way back in the day. Uh, with Dark Star, and before that, he actually did a uh, a short film. Uh, he directed a short film called Bloodbath. That was in 1969. Uh, but his first actual um, acting slash writing gig uh, was John Carpenter's Dark Star from 1974. And I watched this movie one time and it was not for me. I uh, I really wish that I could have got into this movie because it feels like a movie I should like, but I didn't like it at all. It was very college experimental-ish. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Uh, just John Carpenter, I guess, you know, just learning the tricks of the trade. And uh, Dan O'Bannon was an actor in that and uh, wrote it along with John Carpenter. So um, anyway, that was, that was his kind of beginnings. Um, here's where he hit it big in my, in my opinion. Not in my opinion. It's, it's the truth. He, uh, he wrote the uh, story slash screenplay for Ridley Scott's 1979 classic Alien. And, um, that kind of the rest is history after that, um, which is a masterpiece of science fiction horror. Um, after that in, uh, 81, he wrote the screenplay for dead and buried, uh, which was then uh, directed by Gary Sherman and dead and buried is another classic, classic early eighties horror movie. This is not a slasher movie. This is more of a, um, it's body horror, I guess you could say. Uh, it's a bit Cronenberg-esque. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a very odd movie. Blue Underground released it on Blu-ray, and this is one – I've watched this movie so many times. I watched it on VHS, then on DVD, and now I own the uh, Blu-ray. It's a great movie, and it's so – it's just odd, and the ending is so out there. I loved it. Uh, so check out Dead and Buried. It is – Highly, highly recommended, and it's a very well-made movie. Um, 
the beginning of that one too is very, very unnerving and just hardcore. Yeah, you'll you'll see what I mean. Just check it out. So uh, then he wrote um, some of the stories for the uh, animated movie Heavy Metal from 1981 and uh, Blue Thunder, which is the the movie with uh, what's it? Roy uh, Roy Scheider is in that one, and uh, you know I've never been overly enamored with Blue Thunder. Uh, I I would always preferred the television show Airwolf over the Blue Thunder movie. I haven't seen that since the VHS days, so who knows? I uh, maybe I would change my tune on it, especially because Dan O'Bannon wrote the thing. So anyway, um. From here, he um, he went on to write a little bit of uh, some shows of the some Blue Thunder television shows, and uh, the Total Recall, nineteen ninety Total Recall movie with uh, directed by Paul Verhoeven, and um, which we all know and love. That movie is fantastic. Um. And then there was some other stuff that he that he helped with, uh, but those are kind of the main ones. Now, as far as acting, he was old, he was really uh, barely did any acting at all, uh, other than Dark Star. But directing, uh, that's uh, he mainly directed two movies. Not mainly, he did direct two movies. Bloodbath, that short film, it barely counts. It's seven minutes long. Um, he directed two movies. And one of which is extremely popular, and the other one not not nearly enough. It needs to be talked about a little bit more because it's a really good movie. So the first one that he uh, made and is now considered a complete, total, bona fide classic in the horror genre, and that is 1985's Return of the Living Dead. And... Um, First off, I'm going to say uh, there are several versions of this available on Blu-ray and DVD, but we're not messing with DVD. We're talking Blu-ray. There was the original Bare Bones release that um, uh, was released years ago from, I want to say, MGM. Um, Then uh, from there, uh, it was released in the UK. Now, the UK version... No, and then most recently, Scream Factory released it with a uh, all-new transfer. However, I don't have the Scream Factory release. Uh, the UK version, the, I ha- actually have the Steelbook version of this, has an uh, has one of the audio tracks is uh, the original original audio track from the theatrical release of Return of the Living Dead, and uh, this movie has a completely different, not completely, but different enough uh, soundtrack score and some other uh, voice changes from subsequent uh, releases that it's so cool to have the original original version that was released in theaters on Blu-ray. I'll probably never buy the Scream Factory release strictly because of that. I I want that original version. There's some punk rock songs on the original version that are not in any subsequent version. There's um, different lines of dialogue, like Tar Man in Return of the Living Dead. He has his voice changed in the newer versions. 
and there's other small audio changes. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Um, I want the original, what was heard in the theater. And you can, for me, I've seen this movie so many times that I can actually, I can tell. I'm like, uh, this has been changed. This has been changed. And then when you watch the original audio, like that's, there you go. That's what it, and this, this actually may have been, um, I believe that this on VHS, this was still, we had the original, uh, the original audio, but then DVD, not so much. So anyway, and also this version has a phenomenal feature length making of retrospective documentary on the movie that is worth the price alone just for that. It is to, to me, it is the, the final word on return of the living dead. I have not, I have not seen the scream factory release from what I hear though. The, uh, the transfer has been even more improved, but to my eyes, the UK version is already fantastic. I don't need the Scream Factory release unless I would find it for uh, dirt cheap. But even then, um, I only want to watch the original audio. And uh, and also, if you are interested in importing this one, I believe it should still be in print. Um, it is Region B, but uh, there is a workaround on even Region A players, Blu-ray players, in order to watch this movie. I believe you have to press... Uh, top home button on your remote and it will actually bypass the region locking. So uh, do a quick search online and there is information out there as far as how to uh, get past the the region locking and be able to access everything on the Blu-ray. And um, that's what I did. That was back before I had purchased a uh, a region-free Blu-ray player. And so I was relying on my PlayStation 3 and it worked like a charm. So import that movie, check it out, make sure you select the original audio, it's awesome. Then watch the retrospective. It's so good. So good. There's some. There's a plethora of information on there, uh, including some stuff about Dan O'Bannon that is uh, really, really interesting. They even hit. They even touch on uh, Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Some of the actors came back for Part Two, which I just recently rewatched. And every time I, I've watched that movie numerous times, and uh, it doesn't hold up at all. Uh, every time I watch it, I'm like, this is boring. Um, that movie actually also suffered a similar fate in that uh, releases after the theater, most of the releases, they had changed up audio. And uh, the version that I have uh, is actually fan-made and sourced from an HD print, and the uh, the audio is the original theatrical audio. Uh, it may have even been sourced from a laser disc, possibly, but it sounds great. And uh, the soundtrack... For Return of the Living Dead was fantastic. Uh, the uh, the 80s metal songs are great. I love it. In fact, that's probably my favorite part of the movie is the cool the cool uh, soundtrack. Much like the 85 version of Return of the Living Dead, the, the first one with all the punk rock songs, the the soundtracks are really good on these movies. So, but uh, Return of the Living Dead is by far the superior movie that from Part Two, and it is. It is, in my opinion, one of the very, very, very best zombie movies ever made. Probably top three for me, Lucio Fulci's zombie being number one. Actually, this one here might be uh, number two. It's that good. So Return of the Living Dead. Check it out. Uh, Dan O'Bannon's other movie is – it's odd here on IMDb. A little bit of water. Uh, On IMDb. It's called Shatterbrain, and I've never heard of that title. It's from 1991. Uh, the original title is The Resurrected, and that's the title that 
I've known ever since it came out on VHS back when I worked at a little uh, video store in uh, Podunk, Ohio. I would uh, I I actually remember the Resurrected coming out on VHS, and even back then, I'm like Dan O'Bannon. That's the dude that uh, directed Return of the Living Dead, and he wrote Alien, and I'm like this got to be good, right? And so I actually talked to the uh, the owner of this little video store into getting this movie, The Resurrected, and um, I happily watched it when it came in and uh, loved it, loved it. Um, so I'm going to spend just a little bit of time talking about Shatterbrain, also known as The Resurrected. Um, it stars um, John Terry. Uh, John Terry has been in, he's one of those actors. If you, as soon as you see him, you're like, Oh, that guy, he was been, he's been in the living daylights, uh, David Fincher's Zodiac full metal jacket. He's been in a ton of stuff. Um, a very, very good actor. And he, and here as well, he was really, really good in this movie. The cast is great. I think in this movie, um, also uh, playing the, uh, kind of sort of villain is Chris Sarandon and Chris Sarandon has been in tons of awesome stuff too. child's play fright night, the princess bride, uh, the hidden, you know, him. if you, uh, if you've seen any of those movies, you're like, Oh, that guy, he's great. I, uh, I totally, I, I like his look. He just, he looks, he looks like a vampire. He was perfectly cast in fright night, I think. And, uh, in this one here, he's, uh, he plays Charles Dexter Ward, um, but I need to be a bit vague for those of you out there that may not have seen this movie. So um, anyway, and then there's other actors when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, I recognize that person. Uh, he's been in other stuff that I've seen, and he's pretty good. Uh, so the movie itself, Charles Dexter Ward's wife, uh, she is uh, Claire Ward. She's played by Jane uh, Sib. I believe that's uh, that's how you pronounce her name. She's another one that I I'm like up. Oh, I recognize you from from uh, some other stuff. Um, so she uh, seeks the help of a private detective, and the private detective is John Terry. He's his play, his name is John Marsh in the movie, and uh, she enlists his help to find out what her husband is doing in this cabin uh, owned by his family. For centuries, and this cabin is an old, uh, dilapidated thing. Now, uh, this is actually a story uh, based off of a story from H.P. Lovecraft called "The Case of Charles Dexter Ward." And uh, the f- very first time I watched this movie, way, way, way back in the day, while watching it, I'm like, "Man, this kind of feels like a little bit like Reanimator and uh, From Beyond," uh, even though. They were obviously not directed by the same person. It's because it's based on H.P. Lovecraft stuff, that that weird body horror stuff. Kind of Cronenberg-y, but not. It's it's different. And uh, this is this is right there. This this actually makes a great companion piece to those other movies, Beyond, from Beyond, and uh, Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator. The toning is different, but there is similar story elements there that. Uh, that work really good together. So, um, anyway, I, I don't want to spoil the movie, but um, 
the private investigator and the uh, the wife, they start doing some investigating. There's some really, really gross smells coming from not just the house but the whole surrounding area. So neighbors start filling them in a little bit about something's not right up there. And uh, so Chris Sarandon's character, and he's got this – literally he's got a henchman up there with him. Uh, they are receiving animal parts and experimenting. And this has to do with uh, things that were taking place way back in the 1700s and continuing experiments and mutations and stuff. Uh, now I want to be very, very vague. Um, spells maybe are introduced and stuff. And at this point, you just check it out. If that sounds like something that you would like to watch – I highly recommend seeking this movie out. The budget was six million dollars, which is uh, that's nothing to you know schluff at. That's a pretty decent budget, and I I'm not sure. Um, I'm pretty sure that this uh, went straight to video. I don't think that this got a theatrical release. And watching this movie, it it screams theatrical release. It's a very polished movie. Um, it's not Return of the Living Dead, but. It's very well done, very well done. Uh, and something about the movie the whole way through is just – it's not overtly gory, but it's just kind of gross. Uh, and by that, I mean like they always are talking about how bad it smells at this place and you feel that. You're like, yeah, I totally get it. it uh, and then when you do see him, there is there's creatures in this movie or mutations or whatever, and you're like, yes, that looks like it would stink awfully, awfully bad, uh, and it, it's, I like that. I'm it's, that's gross, Eugene. I I like stinky creatures, um, and this movie has a plethora of them. So uh, it's unfortunate that the movie did not get a theatrical release uh, because it it feels like it. Like it should, like it should have. So I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, what the um, deal was. If the studio went bankrupt, that's a lot of the times what happens uh, because it's not like this movie was. Oh, we've got a stinker here. What are we going to do with it? Let's just dump it onto to VHS. So I would guess that something with the studio uh, that probably had something to do uh, with it. So. Uh, the studio behind the film briefly considered retitling it Ref- uh, Reflex, uh, which is odd. According to to Diane O'Bannon, the film was recut against his husband, uh, the husband's, uh, I guess that would be Dan O'Bannon's objections, and released without his approval. It was re-edited without the humor that he had attempted to put into it, which uh, is interesting because Return of the Living Dead is quite funny in a very um, – very R-rated sort of way. It's not like laugh out loud. It's just very witty humor. And there is none of that or v- at least very, very little of that in The Resurrected. But honestly, it I can kind of see why it was cut out uh, because this version works. I can't really see that – this movie having really goofy jokes or even even – harsher R-rated jokes. It doesn't – the tone of the movie is not that. It's much more serious tone. 
having said that, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe a, a different version would have worked. But for me, I like it just the way it is. And this is one of those movies uh, that I've watched so many times. And, uh, and it's weird. Every time I watch it, I, it's like, I forget about the movie and how much I enjoy it. And I start watching it and I'm like, man, I barely remember this movie. Uh, but then as it goes on, I'm like, oh, that's right. This and this and this happened. Oh, that's cool. And oh, here comes this gross part. And it wraps up in a very absurd special effects, heavy, cool way. And I, I totally dig it, but I, it's not like Return of the Living Dead where I, it's like, I remember every single thing about Return of the Living Dead. This is not like that. It's not as memorable, but it works for what it is so well. Um, recently, I I bought um, a used copy of this on Blu-ray. It was released in Japan, and I believe it's now been released in the UK as well. It hasn't got a US release, but uh, the uh, Japanese version, uh, extremely expensive. Well, someone was trying to offload some of their pricier Blu-rays, and this was one of them, and I inquired about it, and they actually sold it to me for a uh, really good price, $20 actually, and it goes for about $45 importing it from Japan, so I'm like, you know what, that's a good enough deal, and this is a good enough movie that I need to import that. Unfortunately, um, well, the good news is it plays on Region A players, it's, um, it's Region A, so there you go. Uh, unfortunately, the transfer is shoddy uh, at best. Better than DVD. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not a snob when it comes to stuff like that. It's it's better than DVD, but the transfer to me looks very much like a um, uh, an HD TV rip. Like it was shown somewhere on uh, on a high-def channel, and that's what was ported over onto Blu-ray. Um, m- maybe it's a, a bit better than that, but uh, for the budget, uh, for a $6 million budget shot on film, this movie should look better. And I would guess that with a really, with a good proper remaster from some someone like uh, Vinegar Syndrome or Arrow, Scream Factory, one of the big one of the big hitters. I think that this movie would look fantastic because it's beautifully shot. Uh, but even watching it this time, there were certain scenes that were uh, filmed in a lot, like shrouded in a lot of darkness. And I'm telling you, it is pitch black. You can't see anything. And I have a feeling that a proper remaster would probably bring some stuff to light, so to speak. I'm guessing that you could actually see a little bit of what's going on on the screen with a proper remaster. But as it is for right now, it's the best out there. And if this would ever get released on uh, one of the bigger labels, I would immediately sell this on eBay and hopefully recoup my 20 bucks and move on and be happy because this is one that I would definitely uh, upgrade to. I've had this on uh, VHS as well as DVD and now I'm, I am glad that I can at least have it on uh, Blu-ray, even if it's a bit of a substandard release. So uh, the movie is uh, – it's a bit long, but again, watching – I just finished it last night. Watching it again, I'm like, you know, I don't know what they would cut – they would or could cut out of this movie to tighten the pacing. It is a bit leisurely paced, but everything that's on screen is there for a reason. It's important to the story. Uh 
as it slowly unspools what's really going on. And then by the end, when things get really crazy, you're invested in all of the characters, the detective, uh, Charles, uh, Charles Dexter Ward's wife, Charles Dexter himself. You're invested in all these characters and what's going to happen. And you kind of feel bad for, well, not kind of, you do feel bad for everybody. Uh, so it's just a bizarro movie and one that you should definitely check out. This is, available to watch on YouTube in a quote-unquote HD transfer. Um, I would imagine that it's not really legal, so uh, try to import the movie on uh, Blu-ray, or honestly, a DVD would be fine as well. But check the movie out. It really is a, uh, it really is a cool movie. Uh, to me, it's uh, underseen. So, and I actually, I just hopped on IMDb here. It says here, uh, director Dan O'Bannon's original cut ran over two hours and was subsequently edited down by the film's producers. The recent Blu-ray collector's edition of the film released in Germany, there you go, um, by OFDB Filmworks contains a work print cut that runs two hours and 17 minutes long. Additional scenes include a longer introduction uh, of John March and John Marsh and Lonnie Peck. Uh, extended and new dream sequences and a romantic encounter between Marsh and Claire Ward. So if that's the case, you mark my words. At some point, at some point, there's going to be a studio here in the States that releases that. Um, I sure hope it's one of the big hitters that really does justice to this thing. And um, I have a feeling that there's a great backstory to this as well uh, with the making of and hearing how it was to work with Dan O'Bannon. I'm always wanting to know more about that guy because he was, I think, taken from us way too soon. I think that there was other stuff that uh, he could have and should have done. I, it's unfortunate that he only made two movies, both of which are really, really good. But uh, it's it's sad that that's all we got from him. Uh, but on top of that, we got some really uh, well-written stuff from the guy. I also uh, wanted to say uh, that he wrote uh, another movie that I just recently revisited. Um, where is it here? There it is. Invaders from Mars and Life Force. These are two Toby Hooper movies from 1985 and 1986. Invaders from Mars, I am, uh, it, I'm starting to have a soft spot for that movie. Uh, my first viewing of it was meh, but upon uh, a repeat viewing, which I might talk about this a bit more on the next Movie Freaks episode, I actually have the Scream Factory release. And uh, I, it's, I've grown to enjoy it immensely, especially watching the making of. Uh, Life Force, on the other hand, is fantastic. I have loved that movie ever since I watched the first time back on VHS. It is a great movie, and Dan O'Bannon did the screenplay for that, and it is totally, completely uh, canon films slash Toby Hooper bizarro. You have to check it out. It's so, so good. So... Uh, Dan O'Bannon has done some great stuff. There's uh, some great writing gigs that he did, some great movies that he directed, and uh, I would have loved to see more from the guy, but unfortunately, um, that's just the way it goes. But check out his uh, the few movies that he has directed. They are really, really good. And that's going to do it for this episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. Um, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com for any questions or 
uh, movies that you think I should check out or talk about on the show, movies I should avoid like the plague or suffer through and talk about here or even on Movie Freaks. Speaking of Movie Freaks, we're going to be recording here again very shortly, so stay tuned for all sorts of uh, crazy stuff that I'll be talking about that I am not able to talk about on here. I don't have the time and uh, all that good stuff. So stay tuned for that coming up soon. Uh, Otherwise, that's going to do it for me today, and uh, stay tuned for more horror goodness here uh, in the near future. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye-bye.